Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. This episode is brought to you by Edward Jones, a financial services firm that's built to support financial advisors so they can build and manage large and complex practices by serving their clients' needs, not outside shareholders or sales quotas, and gives financial advisors the freedom to tailor their practices to serve individual clients' unique needs. If you're looking to grow your practice with unparalleled support, it's time to meet the Edward Jones of now. Learn more at edwardjones.ca slash no more. Bombardier once made everything from snowmobiles to turboprop planes to subways. But now the Quebec-based manufacturer is a pure-play business jet company after selling off its other divisions to pay down debt. Debt it racked up trying to compete in the commercial aerospace business. I'm Emily Jackson, and you're listening to Down to Business. This week, we're joined by Bombardier Chief Executive Alain Belmar. We spoke Friday, two weeks after Bombardier made two huge sales that reshaped the company's future. First, it sold its stake in the C-Series, now called the A220, to Airbus. That's the jetliner it built with help of government loans that got it into this trouble in the first place. Then it sold its rail business, its largest division that had been struggling, to France's Alstom. Belmar joined me to discuss why Bombardier chose to stick with planes over trains and why he thinks private jets will be a strong business for Bombardier going forward. Hello, Emily. How are you? Hello. Good, Elaine. Thank you for joining us today. Uh, thank you. It's my pleasure. So I want to start off by talking about when you became CEO five years ago. At the, that time, Bombardier was facing a lot of challenges related to the C-Series commercial jet development, and you embarked on a five-year turnaround strategy. So back then, what was your plan to get things back on track? Yeah, you're exactly right. Uh, five years ago, the focus was really on the, on the C-Series. But very shortly after joining the business, I realized that there would be, you know, more to do. And we put that five-year turnaround uh, plan in place and we've been executing on uh, on it since then. Uh, I would say there was like, there was clearly uh, four important focus. The first one was the C-Series. If you remember at that time, uh, the program was, was still in development. Uh, the aircraft had not been certified and uh, the pipeline for orders was relatively weak. So today, five years later, we have a program that is in service uh, with a strong order book, obviously different ownership, uh, but we have protected you know, over 3,000 uh, jobs on this program. So that was one of the big, big, that was probably at that time in 2015, the biggest challenge. The second one, Emily is we also uh, had like uh, money losing uh, platforms and they were uh, aging uh, the CRG uh, regional jets and the Q400 turbo props and we addressed these programs in a very you know uh, responsible way and uh, the Q400 was sold to a Longview uh, partner and they have a focus on re-energizing the, the program and the CRG was sold to Mitsubishi uh, where they want to invest in a regional jet on their own and they will be able to build on the knowledge, knowledge base that we have here in uh, in Montreal. And the third point, which is an important one, 
as we were investing, we've been investing massively on our business aircraft franchise. Uh, and at that time, we were working on the Global 7000, 8000. Uh, this aircraft was like in probably midpoint from a de- dev- development cycle. Uh, and today, this our brand new Global 7500 is in service and performing well. And the last piece of this is the debt load. Uh, we we knew in 2015 that we would have to address the debt because uh, of all these massive investments that we were making uh, on the aerospace side. And that's with the announcement of Alstom last, uh, last week or not two weeks ago, things uh, are going fast. That was really the, the last piece of the puzzle to complete our turnaround. Plan. So clearly Bombardier exited quite a few business there, sold some of its commercial assets in the CRJ, in the turboprop aircraft space. And then also with that Alstom deal just a couple of weeks ago, exited the, the big train business. When did it become clear to you that Bombardier would have to make that choice between one of its two biggest business units, between the planes and the trains, if you will? I think that uh, probably about a year or so ago, because uh, we ended up after addressing the non-core and non-performing assets, uh, we ended up with two great businesses, a business aircraft and a train business. Uh, and we have, you know, on top of this, a very significant debt load of $9.3 billion dollars. Uh, and on top of this, you know, an equity investment from CDPQ on the train side. And that was accreting pretty quickly at a value, you know, as we speak today, at about $2.3 billion US. So we needed to address that. And the Alstom deal uh, became the, the accelerator for us to deleverage the business. But to your point, I mean, that this is a process that started over 12 months ago. And then we put in place, you know, a very rigorous uh, approach and, and process, well supported by the board and by external advisors that led, you know, to the conclusion with uh, the divestiture of the train business to Alstom. Now, some analysts have, when this was kind of all up in the air, some analysts were speculating that you might stick with the train business because it's a little bit of a larger business and there's an expected increase in demand for trains going forward. Your business, aircraft business, is still a $7 billion business, still employs 18,000 people around the world. So still a big business on its own. But what made you choose planes versus trains? Yeah, I think there's like uh, probably two uh, important factors. Uh, the first one is uh, obtaining the right value for the asset that you want to sell. And that's what we did on the train side. So that's that's fundamental. Uh, we wanted to sell the, the business with the, the right net proceed to Bombardier in the end. And that's one clearly one of the major drivers. The second one was the industry consolidation on the train uh, is like uh, is very much needed. Um, and that process was started by the Chinese who consolidated you know, their rail operation under one umbrella, the CRRC uh, umbrella. So, and since I joined the business in 2015, we've tried to be 
the integrator. We've tried to merge with Alstom. We've tried with Siemens. We've we've tried with Detachsheet. So we've tried that for many years. But one issue that we had is our balance sheet was not strong enough to find the right solution. So it became clear to us that if you're not going to be the integrator or be part of the integration within an industry that needs consolidation, then you better look at the option of selling. And that's really, you know, why we came to uh, conclude on the train side. So it was that idea that consolidation was going to happen. It was... And, and you found a good, a good value with Alstom. You got it. That's exactly it. Exactly. Now, I, I do get a lot of emails. I think Canadians are particularly interested in Bombardier, specifically people in Ontario and Quebec, uh, given Bombardier's large presence there. Some people have expressed, you know, concern about the future of manufacturing in Thunder Bay, where they make things like streetcars for the Toronto Transit Commission. I'm wondering... How does these businesses, how do these people fit in under the new ownership under Alstom? Well, I don't I don't think it's much different than under a Bombardier ownership. We've made very significant progress on all of our train projects in Ontario, as you know. Um, we completed TTC. Uh, we were late. When I joined the business, I, I made a commitment to reinvest in our assets in Thunder Bay and also in Kingston to deliver, you know, the the all the trains, which we've completed earlier this year. And we've got like gold trends that is uh, going well, where we are operating and maintaining the, the fleet. It's the second largest commuter train you know, uh, fleet in North America for that type of uh, operation. But then you reach to a, reach a point where to fill these facilities, you need contracts. So I don't think it will be different for uh, Alstom than it, is, than it is for us. In the end, if you want to uh, create jobs, you need to have the business and all for supporting this. So for me, I think that we have like amazing capacity and capabilities in Ontario uh, between uh, Thunder Bay and Kingston. And hopefully there'll be more uh, contracts coming because this is a growing industry to your earlier point. It is, there's a growing need, you know, to connect people within cities and between cities. So I, I feel confident in the long run that there will be more more projects, and but that needs to be supported by, by contracts. And I think that our team has done a, a very good job. We've been, you know, working very, very closely with TTC and with Metrolinx and other key stakeholders. And I, I I'm sure that this is exactly what Alstom will be doing as well. The need to connect people between cities, focusing on trains, but also your new focus more on the business jet side. Tell me a bit about your growth plans for this business. I know I, I know you recently have the new Global 7500, which I actually had the pleasure of checking out at an event in Toronto. This is a very fancy business jet. A retail price starts at US $72 million, So I don't personally have one yet, but I'm wondering <laughs> if you can speak about the growth plans there. Yes. So th th this is a very important question and, and your math were absolutely right. This is a big business and, and people don't fully appreciate that 
Bombardier Aerospace was always, by and large, a much stronger business aircraft business than a commercial aerospace uh, business. With our 18,000 people and 13,000 in Canada and 10,000 in Quebec, 3,000 in Ontario. So this is like an amazing business. The good news here is we're just, you know, coming off a massive investment cycle. So we have the brand new Global 7500 that that you've seen, but we have also a new Global 5500 and 6500. That is the top end of of our uh, of our business aircraft uh, segment. Then you have uh, we've been investing on our Challenger platforms as well. So we have like a, 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 a completely refreshed product portfolio. We are at a very good place. And in terms of growth, you know the industry will continue to grow. This is an industry that is a little bit more cyclical than the train business. But at the same time, this is also an industry where we have an amazing you know product portfolio and with products that are that are at the early days of their life cycle so with significant runway in front of them the other thing that uh, is going to drive our growth is our install base of uh, of aircraft we have the largest install base for business aircraft in the upper end of that uh, of that industry we have close to 5000 aircraft flying and this is very big and this is driving you know aftermarket growth which also uh, comes with very good you know revenues and margins so this is like another uh, driver of our growth and if you look at this business we are in the portion of the industry in the upper end that is less sensitive to economic cycles. So this, we are, Bombardier is very well positioned uh, in the in this industry as a world leader. And I will just finish by saying, you know, brand loyalty is very critical. And if you think about this, we are to business aircraft what uh, Boeing and, Air, uh, and Airbus are to commercial aircraft, i.e. there's like two large players in business aircraft. There's Gulfstream and there's us, Bombardier, and we have a very large customer base of very loyal customers. So when you put all of this together, we feel very excited and confident of our our ability to grow the business moving forward with a much better balance sheet, by the way. (laughs) Much better balance sheet indeed. Is it that you know, is it that your products give you that competitive edge? I know there has been some analyst commentary about how the global business jet market has been relatively stagnant over the past decade. You know, as you said, it is a cyclical business. You know, in recessions, this is probably not the first product that people are looking to buy. So how, how do you compete in this new environment, which is, is very different from the rail side? Yes, absolutely. And it's true that uh, the overall industry has been relatively flattish for the past like 10 years. It's absolutely true. But what is driving growth today are our new products. So we are getting incremental revenues with the Global 7500, which has a very strong backlog. We're now selling into 2023. So we've got like a very strong order book and we are just starting to deliver. We have about like 15-ish you know, aircraft in service today and we're ramping up our operation 
in Toronto and in Montreal to 40 aircraft uh, this year, 35 to 40 aircraft. And then we will sustain at that level. So new products, the Global 7500 is the biggest driver of our growth uh, by a long shot. Then we have our Global 55 and 6500. That is largely a replacement of our 5000 and 6000. But yet, you know, since there are new products, they're driving incremental uh, growth. Uh, and then you have the aftermarket that uh, is doing well because we've been investing a very significant uh, amount of money in opening new sites to expand uh, our reach to our own aircraft you know, that are flying everywhere everywhere around the globe. For example, we have new operation in Biggenhill near London City. We have new operation in Singapore. Uh, we are building a new one in Miami. Um, so we are we we are expanding this uh, aftermarket network to better serve customer to start with, but also to grow our aftermarket revenues. How does something like the fears around coronavirus affect the business jet business? Well, so far none. I mean, there's no impact. But this is something that I'm not sure is the 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 impact will come from the ripple effect that this virus will have on the overall economy. That is the biggest risk. So if this thing lasts a long for a long time and the economy significantly slow down, I think that then you could have, you know, a ripple effect on the business aircraft. At the same time, it could also be an opportunity where, you know, People would rather take, you know, this mode of transportation to get to their destination because uh, they believe it might be, you know, like a, a safer way for them to travel. So there could be, you know, uh, puts and takes on that. But I would say overall, I don't, it's it's not good for anybody. I mean, and we really hope that this will be resolved uh, as quickly as possible. Speaking of risks, you know, your your strategy has gone from being a company with a variety of different business units, a variety of different markets. Now it is really focused on this one market. What sort of risk do you see from focusing on one area instead of being more diversified in your business lines? Yeah, I think that a lot of people are seeing it that way, but there's a lot of, you know, $10 billion business that are doing extremely well. And the fact that we have, you know, first of all, uh, an amazing uh, and very large customer base is a, is a very good starting point. The second one is having a great, you know, product lineup is also very critical and we are well positioned on this. And as I said, you know, we have operation for servicing these areas. So it does reduce the risk, you know, of having this one standalone uh, business. So we actually see that as an opportunity. And the reason why I'm saying that is because for the past uh, five years, we've been focused on turning the company around and addressing non-core asset or money losing in all projects. And today we can focus on a, on a pure play business that is very strong market leader in the world and with like a, a very good uh, balance sheet to 
enable our growth moving forward. So we're actually, we don't see that as a risk. We see that more as an opportunity to rebuild, you know, from that great business moving forward. Mm -hmm. You're just coming out of that big investment cycle, having developed the Global 7500. Do you have any plans to build another aircraft down the road? I mean, what is the next investment cycle? How far in advance do you have to think about these things in the business aircraft market? Yeah. So if I was going to announce the launch of a new aircraft today, people would (laughs) say this guy is out of his mind or what? (laughs) So no. So for for, the answer to your question is definitely in time, we will look at doing something new. But short short term, the focus is to complete the deleveraging of the company. So that's our priority numero uno. So that's what we're focused on right now. And we continue to invest in product upgrades. So we're not stopping engineering activities. We're actually investing, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars still today to upgrade, you know, our Challenger platform or Lear platforms and to make sure that you know, we, we keep them fresh. Uh, in terms of a brand new uh, brand new aircraft, it might come in, in, in time. Uh, I wouldn't want to speculate on uh, when that will be today because it's, like I said, it's too, too early. But one thing, Emily, that we have that is very, very good is talented people. Not a lot of people fully appreciate that. We probably have the best engineering capabilities in the world, you know, between Ontario, between Toronto and Montreal. I mean, the the C-Series, which is now the Airbus 220, is the best you know, narrow-body commercial aircraft in the industry today. Our global 7500 is the best business aircraft ever being built. So we have tremendous knowledge, tremendous capability, and I want to make sure that we keep these resources fresh all the time. So right now, Obviously, we're completing the entry into service of our global 7500, the entry into service of our global 5500 and 6500. We keep refreshing our product lines. And in time, we will look at what do we do next because we have the capabilities for doing this. And this is our core business. So for sure, in time, we will do something, but not short term. (laughs) That makes sense. I mean, short term focus on that, uh, reducing the debt, you know, that that does rely on the Alstom deal going through. How confident are you that regulators will ultimately approve that deal? And do you have a time frame for that? Yeah, the time frame is like uh, we're saying the first half of uh, 2021, and we we feel relatively confident. And the reason is relatively simple: is there's not much overlap between the the two companies. It's much different. A lot of people are thinking, "Well, the Siemens and Alstom deal didn't go through, and uh, so you have a lot of risk." There was a huge difference. You know, there was like two major areas of overlap between Siemens and Alstom, one on high-speed train, the other one on signaling, which we don't have between Bombardier and uh, and Alstom. The two businesses are way more complementary, and therefore, the likelihood of Having the antitrust or getting the antitrust uh, approval is is much much higher, and I would say 
Alstom and us, but especially Alstom, has learned a lot, you know, during the process where they were trying to merge with, with Siemens. So they are, they've done a lot of work on this before to announcing the, uh, the deal. And I know that they've been working on potential remedies as well, should remedies uh, be needed. So I think a lot of very good work has been done. And like I said, it's a, they are, these are like complementary businesses and therefore the likelihood of getting the, the deal approved is pretty good. So one last question for you before I let you go. As, as I touched on earlier, Bombardier is obviously a very important company in Canadian history and, and to Quebecers in particular. How do you feel now that this turnaround plan is complete? Obviously, a lot of legacy assets have been sold off. I'm wondering, how does it feel to not have those assets under Quebec ownership? When you're looking back, do you see anything you might have done differently or... Anything like that? I'm not sure uh, that uh, even in looking in, in the back mirror that I would have done things differently. If there's anything, I feel very proud of the way that we've done that. We've done that in a very responsible way, you know, socially. When you look at, at this, for sure, you know, uh, we would have, I would have liked to have all these assets under the Bombardier name today. Uh, there's no doubt about that. But the reality is like, we didn't have the balance sheet, you know, to be able to support all of this. So the good news in all of this here is we have attracted world-class leaders to come to Canada and we have protected, you know, almost all the jobs uh, through this process. If anything, we have created more jobs, for example, with Airbus coming and taking over the, the A220 today. You know, when we did the deal, when we announced the deal, I think we were at like 2,200 uh, jobs and today we're more than 3,000 jobs. So we've created a thousand jobs in about uh, 18 months. So for me, what we've done here is like protected jobs which was like very critical so it's a massive turnaround and when you look at it you know from an employment standpoint we're we're lending at a, a great place we attracted world-class companies therefore we have strengthened the aerospace the canadian aerospace cluster which is not small a small thing when you have companies like Airbus coming to Canada or like Mitsubishi coming to to uh, to Canada uh, and uh, Longview investing in uh, in turboprops so i feel very good about what we've done i i think that we have strengthened the aerospace industry in the end we have not weakened that uh, and bombardier can now focus on a business uh, where we're very good at and we we know that we can keep growing it. Alain, thank you so much for taking the time today. I really appreciate you coming on the podcast. No, thank you, Emily. Thanks for taking the time. That was Alain Belmar, CEO of Bombardier. Thank you so much for listening to Down to Business and thank you to the Down to Business team as always. Music and production by Bryce Hall and editing by Yadula Hussain. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with a friend and rate us on your podcast app. I'm Emily Jackson, and until next week, you can get all your business news at financialpost.com.